Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. We had a home birth back in 2016. So we started a podcast about it. And then grew it into a birth brand to help future and current parents believe in their success with home birth. This is the place to hear home birth stories along with helpful resources and tips to feel empowered and supported in your birth journey. This is Doing It At Home. Greetings, loved ones. Welcome home. Today's episode is a peaceful birth followed by PPD and PTSD with Jamie Lazari. Before we get into the episode, just want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you. If this is your first episode, we're so excited you found us. However you did, thank you to whatever person or entity brought you here because this is a place for you to feel prepared, confident, and excited for home birth. We have over 360 plus and counting birth stories to share all around Answering the questions, the what ifs, addressing the fears, the doubts, reveling in the magical moments and the exciting, beautiful, transformative elements that birth has to it and really celebrating that and really kind of a hearkening back to what we used to do is gather and share our stories. So we've been doing this for millennia. This is just the 2022 version of that here on the podcast. And we've been doing this since 2016. And we're just so thrilled and grateful and humbled to be here. So thank you. If you are not connected with us further in all the other ways that you can be, please go do that. Go to our website, diahpodcast.com, and you can check out all the ways to connect with us, follow us on social media. The links for that are in the show notes as well. You can check out our merch. We have some new swag in the shop. I made stickers because some of you all said you wanted stickers. So I made you stickers. And they're in the shop now. You can put them on your laptop your water bottles, your notebooks, your cars, wherever you want to put them, wherever you want to slap those things, put them on there. And then I said water bottles. Um, we have some water bottles in the shop now too. So go check those out. The link to the shop is in the show notes and in uh, everywhere else you connect with us and follow us. So that's there for you. Okay, today's story, peaceful birth, followed by PPD and PTSD with Jamie. Couple of main topics and things that we cover. We talk about the importance of birth stories, why home birth, prenatal yoga, resources for birth and postpartum planning, PPD and PTSD. So for those that that's relevant or if it helps to be aware of that, we get into some elements around those topics. So just as a heads up, and we also talk about EMDR therapy. Thank you to Jamie. Quick word from our sponsor, and then we'll hear Jamie's story. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Jamie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. We are super happy to have you. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you getting up (laughs) early and hanging out with us, Jamie. Thank you. Yep, it's been fun. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, we had a lot of fun before hitting record. Lots of witty banter on our part and then just sharing and conversations. And Jamie, you shared how you've listened to a lot of the podcast. So I love that. (laughs) And a lot of birth stories in general. Yes, I love yeah, yeah. You guys were one of the first podcast, birth po- podcasts that I had encountered. Mm. And I just, I love hearing people's stories. It's so inspiring. And that really helped me to gain more confidence going into my own birth. Just knowing the things that got people through their birth and what helped them, what, you know, just knowing all the things, all the directions that birth could go to yeah. <laughs> just really helped. Yeah. Stories and and watching births. I mean, that's one of the things that for Sarah and I, I think it was a a big game changer um, when we were working with our midwife. She was recommending that we go and watch births. And up up until that point, the only birth that I saw was in middle school with the Miracle of Life health class video. Yeah, probably from the 70s. Yeah. And and so (laughs) to to watch births and then to hear about people's stories, like you're saying, Jamie, um, it's it's inspiring. You Mm -hmm. can see yourself and other people's stories and and hear about how they made you know made it through tough times so we're right there with you yeah i watch so many youtube birth videos i i'm the kind of person that would watch it while eating breakfast yeah (laughs) loved it wow that's great yeah it is so cool how there is a lot of great content out there now to to get around birth and it can really fit your personality. It can really fit your birth intentions and your birth plan. Uh, You know, just over the past few years, I feel like even since starting the podcast, I feel like when we started the podcast back in 2016, there wasn't a ton or if there was, I wasn't aware of it. (laughs) Yeah. I think both of those things wasn't a ton and we didn't know about it. And so now there's more and we know more about Mm -hmm. it. So it seems like you could find anything that you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, Jamie, tell us a little bit about you and and your life. Okay. So, I live here in Utah, just about 30 miles north of Salt Lake. I have a almost three-year-old daughter, Persephone. She'll be turning three in April, which, as we all know as parents, I can't believe it. It's just going by too fast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Her dad's name is Michael. Uh, Me and him actually ended up getting a divorce this year. But we get along really well, and we're doing an amazing job at co-parenting. And Persephone did such a great job with the transition, and she's never complained about going to each other's 
houses. She's just excited to be with Papa and excited to be with Mama. So, mm. yeah, that, that definitely helps. Mm, that's great. Um, that's awesome. yeah. yeah. And so I'm also an Ayurvedic health practitioner. And for those that aren't familiar with Ayurveda, it is the alternative medicine system that originated in India. And they take a, an approach on focusing on the, the mind, body, and spirit. And they believe everyone is, you know, a unique individual. And so they come up with a personalized treatment plan for everyone. That can include um, herbal formulas that they design and incorporating yoga and diet is a major thing and how you eat as well. And just whatever we feel like the, the client needs. So, yeah, that's actually how I realized that I love pregnancy mm-hmm. and just learning about the female body and what goes on during pregnancy. I just was so fascinated by it. And my sister was pregnant with her first child around that time. And I just realized I was kind of obsessed with <laughs> the whole time in a person's life. Pregnancy, birth, postpartum is just such a miracle, honestly and such an amazing time. So um, a couple years, or maybe like a year after I um, graduated from the the Ayurveda college, I got trained as a birth doula. And I did that for a little while. But I and I love being at birth. It's amazing. I quickly realized that that lifestyle is not for me personally. Um, Being on call all the time was, you know, kind of a challenge. And I knew that that would would be even more challenging with having kids yeah. and um, I love it. And I love doulas. I mean, I, I had the most amazing doula for me and I loved the amount of knowledge that I gained from, from that training. And that really did help me prepare for birth. So mm. yeah. And I'm currently a student to become a sonographer um, better known as an ultrasound tech. And I will be doing ultrasounds with babies. So I'm super excited about that. This new journey. Yeah. And still in the birth world and just a different angle to it and a different um, setting and environment and experience and and tool into your your tool belt of of birth junkiness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's super cool. When you were doing the Ayurvedic studies and, you know, getting into that, what was one of the things about birth that just just had you in awe, like pregnancy and birth. You talked about, you know, your sister was pregnant at the time. Um, so yeah, what is one of, one of the things that you just find so magical about being pregnant? Just how honestly hard it is to actually become pregnant. Like what has to happen yeah. for pregnancy to, to occur? And, you know, that's why I say it's, it's truly a, a miracle for all the people that, that are here, I believe. And just all the, the changes that the, the body goes through, you know, the, the organs moving <laughs> and shifting and the the hips getting wider and um, your, your, I think it's your ligaments, your whole body becomes more loose mm-hmm. so that um, it can, it can expand, you know, and, and grow a belly and, and um, just the, yeah, just the strength that pregnant people have to, to be able to, have their body do that and it just does it on its own and how the body is just aware of um no it just knows how to give birth on its own so it's just really fascinating to me Mm -hmm. 
You know, as you were sharing, I thought it would be so interesting to see like a, a, a graphic of a woman's body as it goes through the physiological changes over birth, like mm-hmm. to see the hip bones and then over the course of the month, see how they change and rearrange. And I'm sure something 3D. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, like a 3D thing like that probably exists somewhere online. There are some like time lapse. Time lapse, yeah. yeah. What really got me about watching something like that, because I've seen a few of them, is the organs shifting. Yeah, see the or- That oh, would just like blow your mind how everything has to rearrange and it's like this belly feng shui about all of the organs have to shift to accommodate for this human seeing that and then seeing how you know the spine and the pelvis and the 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 impact and the the shifting there you know this uh, transformer like uh, experience yeah it it is really cool there are there are things like that out there we'll have to find one and put a link to it for for the show notes since you've talked about it yeah Yeah, i want to see it yeah cool So then, Jamie, how did home birth come in the mix for you? Is that something that you were looking at and exploring like through your doula work? You know, had you attended some? I would imagine you you would have, but I won't um, assume there. Um, but just did you know before becoming pregnant that that's something you wanted to experience or did it kind of come along later? I definitely knew. I don't remember exactly when it was that I decided home birth, but when my sister was pregnant around the time of studying Ayurveda and becoming a birth doula, definitely before doing the birth doula training, I knew that I wanted to do a home birth. So somewhere during that time, it first started out with me knowing I did not want to be in a hospital. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I did not want to have uh, people I didn't know um, assisting me in one of the most vulnerable times in a person's life. I didn't want to have these bright lights and noises and having it be a cold room and just, I knew that my body wouldn't be able to fully surrender to birthing and I wanted to be comfortable and allow the process to happen without just, you know, all these things triggering and causing, getting in the way of, of being able to focus on birth. So I know I didn't want that. And obviously I was a little nervous about the pain and not being able to have access to pain medication. Um, but I knew that I could work through the pain and handle that. And I would much rather go that route than being in a hospital close to medication. And so I, I thought about, you know, birth centers or home birth. And I just, again, I'm like, I don't want to be laboring in the car. <laughs> I don't want to have to worry about what time should we leave or getting there too early. Um, I just wanted to be in my own home and to not have to go anywhere and to be able to crawl into bed afterwards. That just sounded like the best thing for me. Got it. Okay. And so what sort of plans did you make when you were pregnant and you're like, okay, home birth, did you have an idea of the care you wanted, um, who you wanted there, sort of the experience that you wanted to have? How did you formulate those things? So I chose my midwife before I was pregnant. Nice. I, when we started to, in the process of conceiving, I, I wanted to make sure I found the right midwife and, and to be able to have her be my midwife. I didn't know how booked out, you know, they were. And, and so uh, the first midwife that we went to, I just fell in love with her. Like that's, that's the woman I want to assist my birth. She's this super amazing, beautiful, little petite woman with long silver hair. She reminds me of this, this happy, energetic little fairy. And (laughs) she's been a midwife for 30 years and she's never missed a birth. Her name's Melissa Mayo. And she's just incredible. I'm so glad that I went with her. So that was that was easy. Um, and then I didn't want too many people there. 
Um, I knew I wanted my mama to be there. Um, she's never seen a, a birth, you know, she's never been at another person's birth or okay. seen how a home birth is done. So I thought it would be a cool experience for her. And just having that motherly nurturing energy there, she's so sweet and compassionate and just has this calming energy. So wanted her to be there. And then um, I also wanted one of my sisters to be there at the time. My sister lived in the mother-in-law basement, and so I really wanted her to be there, but she had to be out of town for, I think it was a work thing. So my mom actually was um, dog-sitting for her, so my mom was already in the house. And then I had one of my close friends uh, do pictures, and then I had my doula, Destiny Olson. She was amazing, and she's a prenatal yoga teacher, so she got me into doing prenatal classes, which was a lifesaver. So, yeah, that was my birth team. That's I mean, and I had a birth plan set up too. And, and I also knew that birth can go in its own direction, mm-hmm. <laughs> but to have certain things and a list of, um, if we did have to transfer like a list of things to, to give the healthcare workers there that I wanted and didn't want like delayed cord clapping and, and for people to be quiet mm-hmm. <laughs> when coming in, just certain things like that. Gotcha. I have two questions. One is about the prenatal yoga and the other is about the list that you gave the healthcare workers or that you had prepared for healthcare workers if you needed it. For prenatal yoga, what about it was life-changing for you? I think that's the word that you used um, as, as, it, mm-hmm. as it relates to your pregnancy and birth. So it really, I recommend prenatal yoga to everyone now. It just really helped me with my breath and learning how to utilize my breath to to get through situations like that's a big thing of what yoga is is learning how to breathe and get through uncomfortable yoga positions (laughs) and staying present with that and so um, learning how to do that while focusing on birth was really beneficial and then um, also learning how to push you know I hear stories of how um, usually I think births and hospitals how they'll say push like you're you know like pushing poop out, you know, and in yoga, they say, no, 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 that is not the way that you want to focus on pushing, you know, it's, it's, it's different. And so they, you know, my yoga teacher, and she taught us how to, to push in a, in the right way. And then just like the stretches uh, that you need while you're, while you have a big belly, <laughs> your body's doing all these changes. Um, yeah, the breath work, um, teaching how to push, and then just stretching the body and strengthening certain muscles that will benefit um, birth. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, prenatal yoga comes up a lot with uh, the moms that we talk yeah. to as, as a practice. So um, I think for those who haven't yet explored it, just hearing the reasons why it was you know, impactful for you is a great thing that maybe somebody listening now might go and check out a, a class mm-hmm. some, somewhere near them. Um, for my second question, it had to do with the list of things that you did and did not want that you prepared in the event of a hospital transfer. My question is, um, who on your team, on your birth team, was assigned with having that list and in the event that there was a transfer, sharing that list with the the healthcare workers and explaining to them and then really advocating on your part? That was 100% my doula. And she had been to the hospital many times and she knew a lot of the the healthcare uh, providers and the hospital that we chose to transfer to, it was the closest one. And they also have a lot of nurse midwives. And they're very, 
baby friendly. So they're, you know, they honor and they're, they're familiar with these requests of delayed cord clenching and, and certain things. So yeah, she had the list. She was prepared. She knew some of the people. So I felt really comfortable um, having her advocate for me. Nice. That's awesome. And, and again, I think that's just a, a really um, great thing to have in your mind is what it is that you do and do not want to experience and then have somebody on your team who understands what you do and don't want, who can then advocate on your behalf. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if you did have to go to the hospital and you're in the throes of labor, yeah. you don't want to be advocating for yourself. You want somebody who can step in and take care of those conversations and you don't even have to get distracted by them. So I think it's just great how you had all the things um, thought out in advance and you had somebody on your, on your squad who was ready for you. Cool. That was a big thing was just being fully prepared. So I knew that like, okay, I can just focus on what I need to just birthing this baby. Everyone's got everything else <laughs> taken care of. Yeah. That was huge. So I definitely recommend that. I'm curious beyond your, your training in your own work and then your own preparation that you had done, having your midwife and your doula as resources, was there any other resource that was really helpful for you that you could maybe share with with those who might be interested in checking out other options, whether it's books or classes or things like that? So I did hypnobirthing cool. and I didn't attend a class. I just got like a book and um, like MP3s to, yeah. to download. And that helped a lot. It helped me just um, work through any fears, anything I needed to, you know, get out of the way that could show up in, in birth. And most of it, I was, I was, already prepared for, but it just kind of solidified and, and had me, you know, make sure that there wasn't anything lingering. Um, there's a bunch of books that I read and other podcasts. I don't know if you want me to mention it now or at the end for the resources. Um, you can go ahead now. But a big one was um, Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us know who Ina May Gaskin is, and she's incredible. So Yes, the, her book, Ina May's Guide to Child Book, was really great. Um, Birthing from Within mm-hmm. is another amazing book. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get too involved with like all the things you can do, like yeah. the crafts, and, and there's a lot that you can really do. There is do. a lot of activities, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. But I felt like I had a lot with like the hypnobirthing and like just my own personal knowledge and, and training. And I also, another book that was really great was Breastfeeding Made Simple. Mm. It just really helped, helped me learn the basics of what to expect and how to go about nursing. So that was a huge one. And then Mama Natural has a book, um, Week by Week Guide to Pregnancy and Childbirth. And that was amazing. That's so cool how she will tell you what's going on during each, you know, like pretty much each, yeah, each week of the pregnancy. And then she'll give you foods and certain things that will help with the, the development of the baby at that time. So that was a really cool one too. That's great. Ooh, great resources. Yeah. And well, podcast. Yeah. For <laughs> so sure. podcast. So uh, your guys, is, I've, I listened to all of your episodes. I just was obsessed with <laughs> your podcast. It was my favorite. Um, still is. And the birthful podcast mm-hmm. uh, was great. The informed pregnancy podcast and birth Queens, which is sadly not a, live podcast anymore but they still have their episodes up but that duo is they are so funny (laughs) 
it just, yeah, I learned a lot and they have some great stories. And, um, oh, and two other resources, evidence-based birth is a great site to go mm-hmm. in and just find out, um, the evidence on pretty much everything birth and pregnancy related. And then spinning babies is another great one to learn positions to prepare for the body. And if you do have a breech baby, you know, different positions you can work on. And actually towards the end of my birth, I would sit on my birth ball for a certain amount of time every day and lean forward just to make sure that the baby would stay in the proper position. That's great. That's an awesome list. We're going to compile that. We're going to put it together for listeners um, and put it in the show notes. So, you know, if you're driving or you're somewhere, you're like, wait, what was all of that? Or, you know, can't pull over right this second and write all those things down. We'll put it in the show notes. So just don't worry. You can go back and find all the links. That's awesome. Cool. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about birthing time. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so can you walk us through birthing time? Yes. So I was sleeping and I woke up to use the bathroom. And as I sat up, I felt a little gushed. Not much, like a full water breaking, but enough where I was, you know, typical did I just pee or is that my water leaking and going to the bathroom and having more of the clear liquid come out. I was like, okay, this is my water breaking a bit. And so I let my midwife know. And then I just went back to bed. I laid down and I let Michael sleep and nothing really happened. I felt like a couple tinges, you know, like light cramping, but nothing that interrupted the rest of my sleep and then let's see when I got up so throughout the rest of that day I had just mild contractions just randomly and they didn't progress or get closer together anything it was just kind of letting me know that things were starting to to happen so talking with my midwife and doula my midwife recommended that I use the breast pump for nipple stimulation, which can help bring on labor. So I did that for, I think she recommended like an hour and that didn't really help. And so then my doula suggested that we go on a walk. It was a beautiful day, um, the end of April. And she's like, you don't know when you're going to be able to take a walk, (laughs) you know, how long it's going to be until you can take a walk again. So we did that and that's what kicked in the contraction. So that was around 7 p.m. So at 4 a.m. is when I woke up and my water started to leak a little bit. And then seven o'clock at night was when the contraction started to, 
kick in and be more consistent. Okay. And so we got back to the house and I just, I was able to handle it for a while. The first four hours, I was just happy laboring on my own. Um, I sat on my birth ball and my main thing was I, I love to lean forward. That was just the position that I like doing. So the first four hours I was sitting on the birth ball a lot. And then when things became more intense, I contacted my doula and asked her to come over. That was around 11 and she got there at around midnight. And as soon as she got there, it's like my body just fully relaxed and was able to surrender more because I knew that she could take on whatever needed to happen. And I could just focus on breathing and moving through the contractions. So my, my labor started to kick up pretty quickly and she recommended laying down and trying to rest a little bit, but hated laying down and it just kept getting more intense. And so then the doula recommended contacting the midwife and I think she contacted her around one and, and I just, I was in the bathroom leaning over the counter a lot and we tried going outside, but I, I didn't, my mind was too focused on, I didn't want to make any sounds to, um, to cause any distractions to the neighbors. That was just uh, too far in my mind. Because it was like one in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to be that loud. <laughs> um, laboring woman who's waking up her neighbors. So that got in the way. So we went back inside. And I spent a lot of the time standing in the kitchen, leaning over the counter. And by that time, I imagine it was around like 1.30. And my midwife got there at 2. and when she got there, I was, I was starting to, to dry heave. Mm. And I realized that this was active labor, which is the typical time that throwing up and having that, you know, dry heating <sighs> motion happen. Mm -hmm. And, and I just, I remember walking around and looking at my doula saying, I don't want to do this ever again. <laughs> oh. And, and I said, I'm like, this would be so much easier if I wasn't so nauseous. And that was another thing during my pregnancy. I didn't have the hypermesis, um, super, you know, intense sickness, but I was really nauseous the entire time. And, and so I, you know, I'm like, this would just be so much more doable and easier if I wasn't feeling so sick. And, and I felt so the dry heating that, that didn't last for very long. And then I felt like I needed to go use the bathroom. So we walked over to the bathroom, sat down. And that's when I realized you know, the dry heaving motion was like the pushing motion going up. And then when I sat down, I realized, oh, my body is ready to push. Like I feel that sensation that it's trying to push. Like I'm ready to go onto that stage. So I told them that and we had a birth tub set up, but because my waters had broke earlier, they don't want you to spend that much time in the water. And so I couldn't get in for a while. And then plus things progressed so fast. Um, so when the midwife got there is when they started filling up the tub. And when I started feeling the pushing sensations, I was able, there was enough water for me to be able to get in. And I didn't have any cervical checks during my whole pregnancy. Just didn't want them, didn't need them. And my midwife just asked if she could do a cervical check when I got in there. And 
So she checked me and I was at 10 centimeters fully dilated. And she was like, okay, you've got to, to go, you know, just continue pushing. And I didn't, nobody helped me, you know, like coach me through the pushing. I just was able to, to focus and do it on my own. Um, I started pushing by leaning over the tub and I did that for a little bit, but then my midwife recommended me leaning back against the tub so that I could rest in between mm -hmm. the contractions. And so I did that and then I would just kind of lean up on my knees during the contractions and those felt really good to me. And that's another thing. Once the pushing stage happened, I am the person that likes that. <laughs> like, Same. okay, sweet. I know we're getting close. I got to do something. Totally. Not just my body taking over. Like I get to contribute. So I really liked that part of it. And, and so my, when the crowning was happening, that's when my midwife was um, guiding me through the, the breathing. She's like, breathe as if you're breathing through a straw. And that, that breathing technique um, helped with the crowning. And it definitely had the burning sensations that we're all aware of, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. Like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, this is, this is doable. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and I, none of my labor, I, I wasn't screaming. I wasn't using loud vocals. I, I had more of like the low kind of oming tones that really helped. And instead of like having the, the loud, yelling that my you know body naturally wanted to do instead of having that go outwards mm. I had it focused on being inwards and mm. pushing and like I've heard that 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 gets in the way like if you're if you're screaming and yelling a lot during the pushing stage that can interfere with actually pushing so I remember that and just was um yeah internalizing <laughs> the loudness and, and just focusing on, on pushing. So um, when the baby's head was starting to come out more, my midwife recommended, oh, I can see the head. If you want to reach down and, and fill the head, you know, you're, you're welcome to do so. And, and so I did, and I, I loved it. That definitely gave me the motivation to keep going. It's like my baby's so close to, to being here. And so I really liked that. And so let's see, I only ended up pushing for 30 minutes shortly after I was filling the head, um, baby was, was ready to come out and <clears throat> I gave, you know, the last final big pushes and then my midwife reached in and she helped the body kind of gently come out on that last push. And I was leaning back on the birth tub and she handed her and put her on my chest and I mean, you can't explain in, in words <laughs> what that feeling is like. Yeah. It was just the most surreal and magical moment in my life. And also shocked. Like, I kind of felt like I was dreaming. <laughs> so, like, this whole thing that you plan and anticipate and prepare for it, it's like, whoa, this baby is in my arms. Like, that is crazy. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And she wasn't crying or anything. And... um so the midwife just did a little suction and it's not like she was in distress or anything. She looked good, but yeah, she just suctioned out a little bit of the goop and then she started to cry because she was, you know, upset. Like, why are you sticking something yeah. <laughs> to my nose, <laughs> my mouth? Like, Get that over there. 
Um, and then she cried just for a little bit. And then she just, she's still to this day, she is so calm and just very conscious and around of her surroundings and um, just conscious and aware of her surroundings. And she honestly did not cry the, the rest of the night until they did, you know, the measuring and, you know, stretching her body. <laughs> They're so used to being curled up in a warm place. Like I would be crying too. It was cold and they sure. were like, okay, stretch. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So um, Michael was right there. My doula was right behind me and um, we didn't know the gender. So we wanted to be surprised. And, and so I asked, you know, shortly after the baby was born, uh, what's the gender? And people were like, oh yeah, let's, let's check. But then they got distracted and they weren't, you know, <laughs> checking in. So I'm sitting there, like, you know, interacting a little bit, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, I really want to know <laughs> <laughs> the gender. And so I asked again, I'm like, please, like, will someone yeah. <laughs> check and see? You know, am I holding a little player girl? And so Michael finally checked and he was like, she's, you know, she's a girl. And I, I thought the whole time I was pregnant with a boy, I just kind of felt more boy energy. There was a couple of times that this really strong, girl energy came in but I thought I had a little boy yeah. in my belly so I was shocked and obviously you know just really thrilled regardless and so I tried nursing in the tub but I didn't like that the water was a little bit wasn't as warm as I wanted and that's another thing I wish I could have been in the water longer because feeling that warm sensation I just I knew I would have been in there a lot longer and it would have helped with the contractions and, and handling them but mm-hmm. um yeah and so I went onto the couch and laid down that's where I delivered the placenta that came out just fine um and then Persephone uh just latched on right away like yes. nursing was just no big deal she just she just what she needs to do something she figures it out and she does it so to this day she's um very focused and particular and very smart. So nursing was, was pretty easy discomfort as well at the beginning. Um, but yeah, no, no infections or mastitis or, or anything with that aspect. So it honestly was just a really beautiful, peaceful birth. Um, mm-hmm. It was great having my mama there and she ended up cutting the cord. I thought that was cool for her to be able to experience that. And we had all the lights were dim and we had just this really relaxing music playing and candles lit. And so we didn't allow any photography, flash photography when she was born. We didn't want any bright lights, mm-hmm. um, you know, in her face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be shocking. And we didn't want anyone to really be loud and yell like, oh, my gosh, yay. Like we just wanted it to, to remain a very calm and peaceful uh, space for her. So, yeah, I think that definitely helped with her not really crying a lot um, from coming out of a warm, comfortable, soundless <laughs> belly. Um, yeah. And then it was just wonderful being in our own home. And um, I had my placenta um, encapsulated and they, they cut chunks. I believe my midwife cut chunks of the, uh, placenta so that they could make placenta smoothies because mm-hmm. it would take a few days for my the encapsulation to happen. Right. And so 
um, they gave me a smoothie right after. And, and it, I, I, I believe that it did help having that, mm. um, you know, in my postpartum period. And yeah, like she was just so healthy and happy. And it was, it was amazing. It was an eight hour labor from when, mm. from seven until it was 3.15 a.m. that she was born. And she was actually born on my parents' anniversary, which wow. is really cool. cool. <laughs> and she was born at 3.17, which is um, like my dad's birthday. His birthday is on March 17th. So I, I think it's fun to have those. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we love those little synchronicities. Yeah. We collect those every day. We're just like, oh, this and this, or you know, like you said, with timing or dates or numbers or things that just pop up. I love that stuff. So I appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> yeah. That's that's so beautiful. I'm so happy for you that you could have that experience and that you were supported in it. And I, I feel a lot of similarities too when you talk about certain elements of the birth, like the uh, enjoyment, so to speak, in pushing. I totally resonate with that and relate to that. And then that moment of shock element when baby arrives and is on your chest and it's all these things, it's all these emotions, and yet it's also ineffable, like meaning there are no words for it. So I I mm-hmm. totally get all of that as well. I can I can very much connect with that. And that's one thing I love about sharing our birth stories that you can have that really deep connection with another person, like another mom sharing parts of theirs that, you know, is similar to yours. You just feel I feel just like this heart swell kind of thing come up for me when I hear elements like that to your story. And even if there are ones that I didn't necessarily experience, but I could imagine, or I could, you know, just as a mother and just as someone who has birthed, like, wow, you know, you just have the, you know, this awe for the whole thing. And so that's why I just love being able to keep telling these stories every week. Yeah, <sighs> it's, it's amazing. And, and honestly, like I, I did feel really empowered afterwards. And that's, you know, that feeling of, I can do hard things. And, and I'd heard so many other stories of these, you know, um, birth people explaining how they, they felt afterwards. And, and I felt like mine wasn't as intense as theirs. Like it was, you know, I, I was amazed. I, I was really surprised that I was able to do that and, and um, with how well I was able to move through the things. Like I never said, I can't do this. It was just like, I'm doing this, this is happening, I'm surrendering. And it was huge, having my doula there was, was huge. Like she was there in my, you know, helping me through every single contraction, doing the hip squeeze. I mean, I look at like pictures of the birth, I'm like, I don't remember her squeezing my hips. I don't remember yeah. sitting over there, it's just so funny yeah. how we don't remember, you know, certain things. And so, yeah, like I just felt, you know, I was really proud of myself afterwards, but I also just felt like this is just something we do. Like mm. it was just, you know, it's natural. Like this is awesome, but it's just another part of what, what I do to mm. <laughs> this experience. So yeah, I found that kind of interesting that I wasn't as like, yes, this is changing my life. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. I can do this and this and this, like it just was like something natural. I understand. Yeah. I understand that. One thing about your story that we talked about briefly before the interview and then when we were setting up having this conversation is an element of your postpartum experience that you wanted to share and that I feel like so many will get something out of and feel heard and feel understood. And I was uh, wondering if you're open to going into some of that. Yes, of course. 
So um, the first month after giving birth, I was I pretty much spent in bed. I the birth took it out of me. I had some health issues before I got pregnant, so I wasn't very strong and and healthy. And so um, the first two weeks, I could barely walk. And and they do recommend really spending as much time in bed that first month as you can. It's um, really, really good for the healing process. And I was very fortunate I was able to spend that time. And um, so I've, I've dealt with depression, you know, pretty much my whole life. And so I was kind of preparing in a sense for postpartum depression to be a thing and also like anxiety. And I, you know, studied and researched, you know, what kind of signs to look for. My doula also, you know, gave us information and told Michael to be aware of um, certain things that might be happening just to like observe and, and, um, and she would check in with us and say like, okay, how are you doing for, for a while afterwards? Which, you know, I felt a lot of support around that. And I just, I knew that something was off. You know, I just, I, I felt the felt the depression. I felt the exhaustion, um, the hormonal shift. I mean, it is a lot what we mm-hmm. go through during the postpartum period and is not talked about nearly enough. Everyone plans so much for the birth and then just kind of gets blindsided with postpartum. So I highly recommend to everyone really, really plan and prepare for the postpartum and um, and so, yeah, I would talk to people about how I was feeling. I just felt um, a lot of anxiety and, and a lot of intense negative emotions towards Michael. And and I didn't know why. And when I would talk to people, they're like, oh, yeah, I was my partner was so annoying. I just, <laughs> yeah. um, he drove me crazy. And they're like, that's just normal. You're tired. And. I could relate to that, but deep down inside, I knew it was different. Mm-hmm. And so later on, like this happened for like a year plus after, and I've always seen therapists. And so I started seeing a therapist and I've been seeing therapists to help with past sexual traumas. And I'm, I see them um, that I make sure I see therapists that do EMDR therapy which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And it is a huge thing that helps with um, traumas Mm -hmm. and PTSD. So um, I started seeing one and I was talking to her about my experience and how I was feeling. And she was like, you are getting triggered every day um, whenever you are around Michael. And, and it's true. Like I would get in this, fear-based fight or flight mode panic anytime he would enter the room anytime he would come close to me and it's it's because my body was reacting as if I was around an abuser just because it was a a male energy and it had nothing to do with him just it was just my body's PTSD and how it was reacting from the act of giving birth now even though I had such a magical beautiful birth it honestly was exactly how I planned and and wanted which is super rare I know that and I'm grateful for it and so it just you know shows that you can have this um, beautiful birth that that didn't seem traumatic but yet still have um, PTSD and trauma show up from past experiences and it's just the act of no matter what the body goes through trauma when giving birth it just it just does and it's very common 
for that process to bring up PTSD for anyone that's had any type of sexual abuse. And I thought I had prepared enough for it and worked through it. And so I, I didn't think that I would have anything really show up, but it was, it was nice to know that I wasn't just crazy (laughs) and that there was a reason that I was feeling this uncomfortable for this long. And and so we started working through it with my therapist and doing more EMDR therapy and and the triggers got less and less. And um, I just wish that I would have known what was going on a lot sooner. Like mm. over a year later of experiencing that, I just, um, I could have been working on it a lot sooner and it would have helped so many things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I feel like that's... Um, a big part of my story that I want to share with people that might be going through something similar. So they know, like, if you feel like it's different than just postpartum depression and you have experienced past sexual traumas, that that it's very likely that you can be experiencing PTSD. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't done EMDR therapy before, I definitely recommend it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was quite a postpartum experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm so grateful to you for sharing part of that because as you said, for someone who might be asking themselves a lot of this, the questions that you were asking or having some of the thoughts or, or feelings or emotions, you know, am I crazy? Does this make sense? Is this normal? What level or degree? Is this just part of it? Or is there something a few layers deeper? So for that person, absolutely. And for the person who is potentially a year away, from it kind of hitting a head like you described. So for the person who maybe hasn't experienced their birth yet or just experienced their birth to kind of be aware based on any existing past trauma, however, whatever it is, however you would classify it, um, or just your personality or how you tend to deal with chronic you know, periods of of challenge or stress, you know, if you know how you might tend to lean or what your defaults might be or what modes you might go into, whether that's forms of depression or anxiety, to to do as much as you possibly can, you know, to have the conversations, to inform your your care providers, inform your birth team so that um, you could kind of cut it off at the past, so to speak, or at least minimize how it could go. Um, so for those who are who are in it right now, but then also this could be a really great proactive measure for those who might be concerned about this possibility for themselves. Yeah, definitely. And and a book that I didn't mention earlier that was recommended to me and that's highly recommended to anyone that's um, experienced trauma is it's called When Survivors Give Birth by Penny Simpkin and Phyllis Claus. And yeah, it's, it's supposed to really help you prepare for like whatever triggers might show up like during pregnancy and procedures that they do during pregnancy and, and the birth and all that. Um, for me personally, I, I didn't read all of it, <laughs> but that's um, just my own you know thing. It, it, it gives, um, has stories of experiences that other people had in the past. And for me, my heart and stomach <laughs> and couldn't, couldn't handle reading what um, other people had gone through, yeah. but that's just me. And um, but it's it's supposedly an amazing book that I I wish that I probably you know I wish that I would have been able to move through it because it probably would have helped with the postpartum period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's two things from what you shared that stand out to me, and the first is I didn't 
I didn't know that birth just as an, in, its, in and of itself is this can be this traumatic event that triggers things, mm. you know, because you said birth just, you know, it is trauma. Your body goes through some form of trauma and that makes sense um, seeing that there's a recovery period, like a pretty prolonged recovery period. Um, so just the fact that that trauma can trigger things that maybe you didn't think were connected mm. or you didn't think would, okay. would come up. Um, I think that's like that to me is a takeaway that um, I imagine folks listening can think about that for themselves. And then the second thing that comes up for me is the trust and intuition, because you know you said that you would share things with people, and they would say, "Oh, that that's just you know normal postpartum. It's like you're kind of going through the normal postpartum." But um, it sounds like you knew and felt within you that this is a little different, and you know at some point you sought out some help for what you could identify was different than the quote-unquote normal postpartum. So um, listening to that intuition and trusting intuition um, is another one of the points that I take away from your sharing. Yeah, yeah, it, it's so, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I'm very intuitive with um, myself and just in general. <laughs> and it was, I mean, but it was such a strong sensation and it was just overpowering and, and so it was kind of easy for me to realize this is this is different. But you know, when you do have those feelings, you know, act on them for sure. Yeah. And people have great advice, and they're there to help you. But you know what's best for for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know better than anyone. So follow follow those feelings and intuitions. And yeah, see, and don't be afraid to ask for help. I mean, it's it's normal. Um, we as as postpartum people need a lot of help yeah. <laughs> anywhere from someone coming over and cleaning our house or doing dishes or bringing food, uh, supporting through emotional meltdowns. I mean, all of it. So I know it can be hard for some people to ask for help, but put that aside and get the help that you need when you need it. To, to continue that thought, you mentioned if you have these feelings and your intuition is talking to you to act on it. What are some other ways that people can act on it? So clearly going and asking for help is one way to act on it. Um, but what are other ways so that you know, they don't find themselves just pushing those feelings down and not trusting their intuition? What are some other ways that, um, that people can act on it? So I think you know, just researching different things about the postpartum period. You know, if they're feeling depressed and, you know, research what postpartum depression could be. And, you know, there might be a list of, of things that they see and they're like, oh my gosh, I resonate with that. And so kind of getting more clarity around what you might be feeling would be great. Um, you know, if you have a doula or midwife talking to them about it um, and just anyone that, that specializes in what you're experiencing. So if you're wanting to see a therapist for your postpartum depression, look for a therapist that specializes in that yeah that's really great advice jamie you're so awesome i just love how you have articulated everything in your whole experience and you know you've you've shared the personal aspects and you've also tied it into some really great lessons and takeaways for listeners and i'm just i'm so excited that you know you being a longtime listener listening to every episode can now you know contribute your story to the space and kind of like you know put your brick in the wall of, of yeah. like what we're creating here. So I just love that you could be a part of this. I'm so honored um, that you would share all of this with us. And I'm just very grateful. So thank you so much. You're amazing. 
Oh, thank you. That's really sweet to hear. And I'm so happy I got my brick in the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, Jamie, I just want to acknowledge you for the wealth of resources that you shared. And once again, we're going to have links to everything. Everything. All the things. I mean, from... (laughs) You must have had a list next to you and reading them off while we were talking because oh yeah <laughs> yeah there, there's just from from websites to books to podcasts um, you shared things that anybody who wants to take it a step further take their preparation or education mm-hmm. a step further they've got some things to check out so thank you for yeah. everything Sarah said you know your sharing your openness your your vulnerability um, your willingness and desire to um, help others who are in situations similar to you. And thank you for coming to this conversation prepared with the list of resources that helped you so that now you can introduce, potentially introduce some of these to other folks. So thank you so much. Mm, My pleasure. (laughs) Thanks, you guys. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.